G'day, Bleakers. How are you doing? It's been a while. Sorry for the, uh, for the, for the, for the, for the gap, but it's 2020. We were having our New Year's holiday, which was definitely a scheduled thing and not an organizational issue. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's been a lot of that. (laughs) Uh, unfortunately, this has become one of, I, I rotate repositories for my sort of like anxious disengagement and, and this has become the latest <laughs> one. So I'll be better. I'll for some reason we were enervated and lacking will at the start of yeah, this new year. I can't imagine, can't imagine why. why. Yeah. But we are slowly creaking the death machine back into operation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we're back again, episode 43. We'll try to keep it. I, I'm not going to promise because I say it every time. And I think when I say it, it well, means we do try to keep it, you know, regular. Yeah. Imagine if we didn't. Imagine if we were actively negligent. Oh, we would have just stopped. All of our episodes would be specials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's also an option. At some point, we can transition that, do one for Easter, one for fucking Invasion Day, which it is in a couple of days. It is. Also my father's birthday, pleasingly for him. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. And people say that having it on Christmas is bad. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, let's. Uh, we got a bit to talk about, so let's uh, bang on, hey? Yes. Play that fucking Play tape. that funky music, white boy. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. All these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs are the dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, everyone their own damn spies, remember when the world was wise, we know. Uh, so we'll do a general, we got a, a, a little general, uh, chat bit, we right? We do have a little general chat bit. Why am I speaking like this? I've got this, like, boisterous enthusiasm You've in been listening voice. to American podcasts over the holiday and you've picked mm. up some kind of enthusiasm from yeah. our trans-Pacific cousins. I was talking to my brother about podcasts, uh, at a family thing a few weeks ago and, and we were talking about, uh stuff generally and i was asking if he'd listen to how did this get played that uh video game podcast with nick weiger and heather ann campbell and matt apodaca it's a really good podcast but my brother was just like that guy is at fucking a hundred percent the entire time meaning nick weiger and i was listening to it and it's like yeah that is a kind of a specifically an american podcast thing but he exemplifies it where it's just like hey you do-? like it's just it must be a fucking a, a solid block pre-compressed waveform they have a culture that um, places a premium on enthusiasm and confidence. Yeah. I've been... Uh, Mads and I watched the first episode of The Circle, which is this reality show that people are talking about, and I'm not yet sure whether it's good or if I've just been sucked in by a, a sort of... By a gimmick. Uh, a, a viral sort of marketing campaign or something. Uh. But there is one dude, this New Yorker dude, who you want to hate on first instinct but kind of becomes one of your favourites because he yells every... <laughs> Every single thing that he says, and it, he's just, the gimmick is that everybody's in a room by themselves interacting only through this, like, sort of ad hoc social media platform. So he's sitting in his room, and he'll say something like, oh, come on, man, which I would say like that, but it's just like, oh, come on, man! Just, it's fucking, it's great. It's, uh, he's an interesting cat. Let's fucking... 
I'm getting mired in the weeds. Should we talk about the primaries really quickly? Very quickly talk about the primaries. The Democratic primaries, uh, the Iowa caucuses uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, or almost a week, uh, a bit over a week, I should say, Monday week. This will probably come out on Saturday, so about a week. We'll do uh, the normal bit where we observe at the start that Iowa is a really stupid state for either party to start their primaries. Yeah, it is. It is. It completely fails to reflect all of the subsequent voting patterns across America. I mean, the system is dumb, but I don't think that there's a representative state that you could pick there. People are like, oh, it's weird that all of these southern states started off, but it's like if you started it off in California, then people would be pissed off that it's... Uh, fucking elite if you started it in the so-called flyover states people would be like oh i know this it's is just a, a traditional mess. observation yes you're before right you you're start right. discussing it is the, the ritual <laughs> it's the fucking scenting with the sensor the incense sensor uh so it's basically a four-way race i guess <clears throat> a lot of people have dropped out uh but Booker's it's basically gone. Booker's gone. Castro's gone. Castro's gone. Kamala went ages ago. So it's basically a four-way between Biden, Buttigieg, Warren, and Sanders. Uh, I don't think that's how it actually... I think it's a two-way race between Biden and Sanders at this point. Uh, there was some drama between Warren and Sanders. There her, certainly was. Her campaign leaking, or probably just CNN leaking uh, this story that he allegedly said uh, that a woman couldn't win the presidency, which, you know, he said, she said, I doubt it, whatever. But it seems to have passed, mercifully. That that news cycle thing seems to have passed, and the current fracas is between Bernie releasing videos of Biden saying shit and Biden saying that Bernie's a liar, despite the fact that Bernie's it's not actually video. speaking in these videos. Yeah, I mean, Bi- Biden may be taking his cues from the current incumbent. Yeah, and it could be <laughs> fucking working, maybe. I don't know. His his percentages have been uh, frustratingly consistent. Releasing videos has not been a very traditionally Sanders thing to do. Uh, I but- mean, he releases a lot of, like, uh, inspirational kind of... No, but I mean, like you know, gotcha videos. Yeah, yeah. Doing traps has not been his thing in the past. No. Well, for, the- for decades that he's been <clears throat> operating in. He hasn't, like, used tactics, as it were. Yeah. Until very recently. His campaign hasn't gone negative. Uh, that was, like, a, a stated uh, goal. When the they thing. go low, yeah. you go high. But I think... Uh, there was this, like, op-ed written by Zephyr Teachout, who's a pretty fucking killer name, by the way. Zephyr Teachout. Uh, who's a, a strong progressive voice uh, politician of some sort, uh, and she she I think uh, wrote this thing about Biden's record, uh, calling him corrupt, and then Bernie apologized because probably because using the word corrupt is not necessarily the most strategically sensible thing, and everybody was probably rightfully pissed off with Bernie for that. But then he started being like. Uh, I don't think it's negative to talk about Biden's record. And uh, let's be clear, he wants to cut Social Security. And then just video after video of Biden being like, of course I wanted to cut Social Security. It's my main thing. <laughs> like, oh, no, And it's God. a good thing to get him on. Um, yeah. Social Security did a lot of harm to Bush. Yep. And that was amongst like his own base of yeah. Republicans who traditionally, uh-huh. you would think, based on the propaganda are all desperate to impoverish and destroy themselves. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 one of those key sort of things because the conservative uh, 
quadrant of any political base in America is largely old. And because old people are disproportionately receiving social security, it's kind of uh, a bit of a sacred cow. Yeah, so it could it could it could hurt uh, Biden. We won't know until there's the a lot of things that should have hurt Biden. Mm. Like honestly, Kamala Harris could have, and and I don't know why it didn't take more, but she could have kamikazed herself as a candidate and mm. just been in there to shut Biden down. Quite well, she, frankly, she did a little. She had enough ammunition. She did a cool kind of thing about the crime bill right at she one of those great debates thing about the crime bill. but then she walked it back and then ended up dropping out anyway yeah if, if i think the problem was that she never really intended to drop out and then it just became an inevitability because she because her campaign staff was shithouse her campaign staff were terrible the, um, the clinton see runoff. i would say that she had the, the people have said oh <clears throat> harris had too much baggage walking into it i mm. don't think she did in, in objective terms, yeah. like presidential candidates have obviously had way worse track records than Kamala Harris and gone on to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're on record. And uh, been way less intelligent than Kamala Harris and gone on to win. Like, yeah, on yeah. the scale of American presidents, she yeah, would not yeah. have been anomalous. No, no, not at all. Apart not from the all. fact that she had actually done some good things before she... She mm. did some good stuff on, um, like, LGBTQI rights and things when she yeah. was... Sure. Which um, should be a fucking, like... It should be. It should true. be a, a We don't live in a world of shoulds and point. shouldn'ts. We live in yeah. a world of is and isn'ts. That's it. literally why we're having all these problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's a fair point. But uh, we're on record as saying that she was one of the biggest threats early on, because it looked like she would be. She was one of the front runners. Uh, uh, but yeah, she she's gone. And I mean, at this point... Klobuchar's still hanging in. Klobuchar's hanging in. She, she doesn't have a... She was given an endorsement by yeah, the fucking we, New York Times. The New York Times endorsement. So they their endorsement has historically been an important one, I guess. Historically. In, in the scheme they of were historically of... an important paper. Yeah, historically. yeah. Historically. Yeah, when they uh, supported Hitler in the 30s. Yeah. That was an important... And when they helped explain why it was so important and world-beating for us to invade Iraq. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been they've been an important voice in the most neutral possible use of the term important. Uh, so this year they turned their or this time around they turned their endorsement into a reality TV show essentially where they interviewed each of the uh, candidates and showed those interviews and then showed them deliberating around a table. <clears throat> uh, Sanders' interview was very good. It's where the great, the great the great quote of "I don't tolerate bullshit, <laughs> bullshit terribly, terribly well,", well yeah. <laughs> which was fantastic, and just, I'm not good at all this nice shit that people do yeah. in Washington, <laughs> and just cut to the board of the New York Times being furious with him. <laughs> and anybody he hasn't said, seen it, it's essentially a lovely bit where Sanders is like, "I'm not like you people. I don't remember fucking birthdays. Yeah, I'm too busy yeah. trying to help the public." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. When he talks about calling people up to wish them a happy yeah. birthday, he's like, it works. It's just <laughs> not my style. Uh, yeah, his interview was great, but he came out with one vote. Every member of the board had two votes, and he got one of those, like, 18 votes or whatever it was. Uh, and they fucking split their endorsement between Warren and Amy Klobuchar. Which is the most bizarre, Yeah, like, oppositional thought process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's fucking, it's an, in- <laughs> oh man, it's like, 
in a boxing match, saying that you think that one of the people is going to... Obviously, there's more people involved, but it's 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 dumb. Only one of them can win. They, Warren won the vote, but I guess they didn't... Well, they seem be. to think that Klobuchar is like part of the progressive um, yeah. foundation of the Democratic Party, mm. which is maybe what prompted AOC to finally say the Democrats are a centre-right party, okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not... It is not an easy environment for us to work in as progressives. <laughs> that was a great uh, little little uh, moment as well. Um, yeah, Klobuchar's not the worst, I guess. She came out in... Uh, oh, fuck, I forget. I don't know. I'm getting her mixed up with uh, Tulsi Gabbard, maybe, who came out in support of uh, Bernie when that whole uh, sexism fucking thing happened. Yeah, that was a, that was a good move from Tulsi. Uh, but um, I th- she's still hanging on as well, I think, isn't she? She is. She's not going to get anywhere. With percent of the vote. The current understanding is... Or the, I mean, the current expectation, I think, is that she'll drop out probably after Iowa and endorse well, she's Bernie. Probably. She's not... I know she's not <clears throat> going to run for Congress again. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So she's got some possibly terrifying plan up her sleeve. To <laughs> yeah. See what becomes of... Yeah. She's probably been the most badly smeared of the candidates she has and it's like she really none of it talks about like her problematic associations with, with indian nationalists cults, yeah. and stuff yeah but but like attack her on on being a russian asset and which, and which is weird which is bizarre she's suing uh hillary clinton for defamation good which yeah seems like it. and everybody's like uh hillary didn't say her name and it's like and yet everybody knew who she was talking about hillary i think needs mm. to so if the if the, there's literally only one thing that Bill Clinton has to teach Hillary, and that's how to fucking retire properly. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and now we play golf. No, I don't like it either. <laughs> Hillary, I did all my crimes, and now I just hang out in the vents and play the saxophone. I can't do a good Bill. Uh, yeah, Hillary Clinton has released a bunch of smears about Sanders saying nobody likes him and nobody wants to work with him, despite the fact that he's the most popular politician in it, the United States. It prompted States. two of her campaigners to write a piece in The Guardian mm. where they basically apologised for their just mindlessly advocating for her. <laughs> yeah. They participated in the Bernie bros smear thing. Yeah. And they were like, look, we're very caught up in the moment at the time. It seemed... <laughs> yeah. He said we genuinely couldn't see why mm. people wouldn't support Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Other yeah. than sexism. Like, that was our own... Was that uh, Peter Dow? Blinker. Uh, it or, was... No, I know that a few people I have broken ranks. Don't so. think so. This was actually a married couple who wrote oh, okay. their thing as a joint submission. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were very frank about, like, look, we just couldn't see why you wouldn't vote for her, so we assumed yeah. it was sexism. Yeah. Now we yeah. understand there are a range of issues yeah. that are bothering people. She's a fucking <laughs> asshole. <laughs> First and foremost, perhaps amongst them. She's releasing... Uh, Hulu is doing a documentary featuring her, which is where this sort of information is coming from. Uh, where she she's really doubling down. She's doing that thing of trying to trip him up at, the, at this moment in the primaries. Again, he did more campaign events for Hillary Clinton than Hillary Clinton did after he dropped out and he endorsed her. He did something in the region of thirty-seven campaign appearances for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, yeah, and in like a scant few weeks, like which she did like two or three for Obama. 
Yeah, yeah, she did fuck all for Obama, but also for herself, she only did about 15 or something in that time. I don't know what the number is. That could be heaps wrong. I think it's fair to say that everything Mm -hmm. else aside, Hillary Clinton's not good at campaigns. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign staff, let's follow their trail, all right? (laughs) First, they fucking lose the biggest layup election in in US electoral history (laughs) that I know of. Then I they... think it's fair to say the easiest win you could possibly <clears throat> have had. Yeah. So then they're all adrift. They don't have the cabinet positions that they thought that they were going to have. And so they spend a couple of years just being furious online. Then the new rising star, Kamala Harris, they join her campaign. Uh, very strong candidate, according, yep. like you say, like... Uh, By all the conventional traditional... metrics, yep, Kamala yep. was a very strong candidate. Yeah, they turn her from a front runner into Dragged a fucking travesty <laughs> within a matter of months. Uh, then they jump off, and some of them go to Buttigieg, and a lot of them go to Cory Booker, who goes from Collapses a sort of dark, completely as well, dark horse didn't he? Yeah, that's true. to an absolute nobody. Yeah. Uh, Go from Booker to Castro, like they disperse a little bit somewhere around here. Some go to Castro, some go to, uh, uh, fucking, who was I thinking of? Some went to Beto, I think, around the time that his campaign tanked. And now a bunch of them have gone to Warren, uh, immediately before this leak. You should walk back on Medicare for all. It'll be a great (laughs) (laughs) She walks back on Medicare for all. Her numbers drop. And then this fucking uh, leak thing, which hurt her really badly, uh, which a lot of people suspect is engineered by these people. They're a fucking... They're poisonous, these fucking... They're the most incompetent people involved in American politics. So good that they're working against Bernie Sanders, because they're his greatest (laughs) asset at this point. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a kind of a tight race. We'll know it's more after race. Iowa. But it, it looks as though it, when mm. when when once the people who are not going to win have fallen away mm. and their supporters then reallocate their support, it looks mm. like Sanders has a very good chance. An extremely of strong Biden. chance. Yep. And if he does, I mean, this is uh, Matt Chrisman's reading is that if he does Iowa and New Hampshire, New Hampshire, and uh, does well in Nevada, then he's going to win California and might as well just wrap it up. He could do, because once the people who do not closely follow politics mm-hmm. get, which they're starting to now get around to looking at stuff, yeah, um, they could very easily back him. Yeah. And uh, Biden doesn't... There's nothing there. He's there based on, like, well, he, name he, recognition and, like you were saying... He's maximised like, his potential already. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see, you know, there's a really, really strong chance. It's too early to call it. It could go Biden. I think Warren's out of the race at this point. It's certainly in the early states. Buttigieg, I think, is dead in the water. He had a please clap moment uh, this morning where he delivered what was supposed to be a kind of uh, applause, uh, applause drawing line and then nobody did anything and then he went, Come on! And everybody clapped. Oh, really? It's a little bit less pathetic than please clap. I mean, definitely but... his campaign manager would have self-harmed as soon as that <laughs> happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh... Pete's now getting exposed to the general American public as opposed mm. to the Democratic, like, lanyard geeks. Mm. And they're going to be much less impressed with him, I should, what I would think. Yeah, well, because he's a fucking... He's not a particularly charismatic individual, and he's a sneaky dude, man. Like, What's hard to sort of see the point of him. 
policy-wise, what's mm. his thing that you don't get from anyone else? Yeah, I don't know. He's young. He's a soldier. All uh, traditionally great traits in yeah. leaders of empires that never goes badly ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> in terms of elections, <laughs> you know, it could do... that. Like, that's what's been carrying him. Let's open up is, the big history of... book of young soldiers who went on to not completely fuck their countries up when they took over. Yeah. Uh, I can't <laughs> see anyone here. They all fucked up horrendously. Yeah, uh, I think his 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 big ticket thing is his version of Medicare for all, which is introducing a public option with uh, what he the on ramp or whatever the fuck he calls it. He's got something. It sounds which, like he wants something that is kind of similar to our setup. Yeah, which yeah, would be a fucking enormous improvement. It would be, but it's still unnecessarily not good enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's uh, no reason to not just do the NHS model. There really is no reason to yeah, not just yeah, do yeah. that. It's Medica- the most cost-effective system in the world. Mm-hmm. Just do the NHS model and fund it properly. Medicare for all is the policy. It's enormously popular, or whatever. His thing is popular with technocrats with insiders and, and, and these sorts of technician people. Yeah. But the public aren't going to give a fuck about it, especially when he tries to explain it. And it's like, well, it's uh, using this uh, reticulated roll-off of the on-ramp into the universal, semi-universal coverage in a hybrid... Like, it's just, it's fucking oh, incomprehensible. I think a lot of people learnt from Obama that mm. moderate reform of the healthcare sector is not really good. Yeah, yeah. The public is extremely sceptical of it. I, I have this argument with Australians a lot about mm. Obamacare because they don't understand the American health care sector mm. even if you have health insurance in america you are still looking at outright expenses of five to eight thousand yeah. dollars before your insurer begins to contribute to your procedures yeah and if you don't have health insurance all the hospital is obliged to do in america is stabilize an emergency injury yeah so if you say are on a bike and you get hit by a car mm-hmm. and your arm is broken and you've got shattered bones everywhere uh, emergency surgeon is legally obliged to arrest the blood loss mm-hmm. and make sure that the bone fragments are not going to cause you any further life-threatening harm. He's under no obligation to save the arm. Yeah, yeah. At all, if you don't have insurance. Yeah. And if you do have insurance, it can still bankrupt you having to pay for that arm to be fixed. Obamacare is not... Yeah. He didn't do a favour to the American public with his healthcare reform. No. He really didn't. And the the affordable sort of like uh, bronze tier insurance shit that people are able to get on under the provisions of that thing are... Covers fucking yeah, nothing. Yeah, it covers fucking nothing. It's like... It's a joke. Very slightly better than having no insurance, but it also costs you fucking a lot, you know? Yeah. Uh, Which we could actually, if we have time at the end of the show, we could talk about the private healthcare insurance uh, collapsing in Australia. I mean, we could. That's another thing millennials have killed. Yeah. Private healthcare. Yeah. What a bunch of cunts. Fucking millennials. (laughs) Will nobody stop them? So hang on a second. What you're saying is there's no reason for me to invest in this. Mm. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, done. Uh, You can get cheap movie tickets at Palace Cinemas Baldwin. All right. Uh, So just to to round this off. Rounding this off. Talk about uh, a couple of uh, factors to do with Sanders, who, I mean, 
we endorse Sanders, don't we? Yeah, he gets the official, (laughs) the official. He has the weakness (laughs) weakness for bleakness endorsement. Endorsement. I'm sure he would not want that to be made public. Using the same, (laughs) (laughs) using the same interviews of uh, uh, as the New York Times did. Uh, There's a couple of things. Firstly, he's roared to the front of national polls. examining battleground states specifically, which are distinct from national polls, which can be a bit useless, but specifically uh, involving battleground states, he beats Trump by quite a lot in those. And uh, the other thing is that there's this this wild card element with his support, which is that he's activating a lot of new voters who aren't accurately accounted for with traditional polling techniques. Because so, they've never had a candidate to vote for in the past yeah, 40 years. A lot of polls either... Probably since McGovern left, they've never had somebody <laughs> yeah. to vote for. Yeah. Uh, a lot of polls uh, either target, like, sort of registered and self-identifying Democrats with a strong horse in the race. Most of them used landlines. There was, like, a hysterical one that came out recently that had Biden as a huge front runner. And then you look at the crosstabs, you look at the data... And it was like three Eight out of 10 retirement home. Yeah. 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 Back Joe Biden. Well, it was 300. <laughs> it was 300 people that they, uh, that they polled. And I think 70 of them were under the age of 65. So it's like, I haven't had a landline connection. Yeah. In over a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. Similar <laughs> here. Well, yeah. Same. I like it, Since I moved out of my parents' house, I haven't had a landline. The last time I did have a landline, it was mm. a number that a private escort had been using for her mm. business. So the only people who ever phoned me were guys at like half past two in the morning wanting to speak to Celeste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh- <laughs> Or people doing polls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have a couple? Uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, when when we when people talk about, like, the, the increasing unreliability of polls, which, like, played a big part in 2016 and stuff, this is a lot of why that is. It's a bit like the Nielsen rating system where people were judging TV series successes based on a handful of fucking octogenarian families <laughs> who had this bizarre, like, giant metal box that they had to... <laughs> You know, how many people are watching and, the program? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Punch and the it's cards. Like, man, these like fucking cool genre TV shows are doing dog shit, but Regis Philbin is through the roof. Uh, Ian Huey Hewitson is still Australia's <laughs> leading chef. <laughs> I fucking love Huey. What a grift. For for so long, he managed to get away. I watched an episode where his all he did was fry things and then put mayonnaise. Yeah, on yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> I watched an episode where he was on a train and his big thing was like a party sandwich. Right? Yeah. What he did was basically make a tuna salad. So it was like tuna and spring onion and mayonnaise just stirred up in a bowl, and then he got a loaf of white bread and he cut it horizontally, like down the length of it. <laughs> And put the tuna salad in the middle. It was just, it looked so dire. He literally just turned, like, being a student into somehow an actual cooking show for grown-ups to watch. I love him. His main thing that blew Australia's mind was, I was like, Mm. when you take the bacon out of the pan or the fish, you Mm. put it on a piece of paper towel and remove the excess cooking oil. And everybody went, fuck me! (laughs) That's a bit European. (laughs) Nah, mate, it's fucking good as. Yeah. Yeah. 
he his I think he's off air now, but his show pivoted like a while ago to be like it would be like Huey's cooking show, and then it would just be celebrity guest chefs. Because, <laughs> like at least he had the grace to step away. Huey's when MasterChef the- first went on, he had a fucking Hitler in the bunker style meltdown. <laughs> he's just in but- the in the corner making a Caesar salad. You just <laughs> yeah. see a gallon conta- a catering container of mayonnaise yeah. glugging into the bowl. <laughs> It was exactly that. It would be like, oh, yeah, could you salt this zucchini for me? <laughs> be like, yep, yeah, reach for the saxa. Oh, no, 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 no. With the- uh, <laughs> the Are you sure, mate? Salt. Saxa's iodized. <laughs> yeah. It's good for uh, <laughs> staving off polio <laughs> and ghosts. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, Sanders is looking good. That's the primaries. We'll see in a, in about a week. I'm nervous, obviously, but if he does well early on, then fuck it could be could be the it could be happening. Ron Paul dot gif. Could well be. Yeah. All right. Do but you, that's the yeah. that's the primaries nailed up. Yeah. We we spent longer on that than I meant to, but uh, do you want to talk about The Witcher? Yeah. Yeah. We won't spend a crazy amount of time on The Witcher because we spent yeah. a crazy amount of time on the, mind you we always say that. Yeah. So my first question to you is: yeah. Has Leonardo's robot uh, completed its cover of "Throw a Coin to Your Witcher" <laughs> yet? Like every other nerd band on YouTube has. I put fucking together. hate that song, man. <laughs> I hate it because it's good. Like it got stuck in my head. Uh, it's got a good melody. It's got that nice loot line. Yeah, it's. But it's so fucking lame. <laughs> It's so lame. And even though it's trying to do, like, it, it's, it's those cute little jokes in the- Is he meant to be a good bard, though? This is the thing that I wasn't clear to me from yeah. the books or the games. It's not actually 100% clear at any point as to whether I think whether he's meant he's... to be a successful hack. Like, yeah. it's not that he's a great bard. It's just that he's he knows the social scene. So he's, he's Andrew Lloyd Webber, basically. Yeah, yeah. He's Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> He gets the gigs and stuff, but he's not necessarily fucking fantastic at what he does. With the the counterpoint being in The Witcher 3, when you go to see the show with that girl. Um, oh, um, who... cut, uh, Cutletta. No, that's a, that's a cutlet. <laughs> it's Italian for cutlet. Or rather, cutlet is English for Cotoletta. I forget her name, but the the woman that- Yes, the um, woman who can sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she, she does, does really the well. Very nice song about- Which I was yeah. surprised to enjoy, actually. Yeah, it's a I real was- weird treat, and it's like, fuck me. I saw what they were doing, that it was supposed to be- <laughs> That it was supposed to be kind of, uh, like, arresting or whatever, and I was like, this is going to be dog shit. And then by the end of it, I was like, I'll be damned. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> did, it, did it have the thing, though, that Skyrim has where- they haven't figured out cutting the different audio files together properly. So it's like, you know, in Skyrim where it's like- Has it, The bards there was are all a, fucking horrendous, yeah. Yeah, but there's also these weird gaps where it's like, there was a the hero named Rorik the Red. Ragnar the Red. Ragnar the Red. Who wrote it <laughs> from old Rorik's dead. There's those weird gaps where they load the next audio file. I Did that happen in- don't the- think so. Okay. It sounded- like a reasonably although i wasn't listening for it yeah, but it it's been a like a reasonably straight record yeah um, anyway it's neither here nor there she's meant to be like a good bard i think dandelion is meant to be like a, uh, a good hand yeah he's like he's a good singer he can play the lute but it is he's the salieri to her mozart yeah sure yeah so toss a coin to your witcher fucking hell that <laughs> song is irritating 
I'm just saying all the mm. other geek bands are covering it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hold your breath. After they did so well with the bear and the maiden fair. Yeah. And the reigns of Castamere. I fucking... If, if The Witcher turns into a universe where there are two songs that everyone knows, oh, I'm yeah. going to have a nosebleed. That was, <laughs> that was the thing that annoyed me the most about Game yeah. of Thrones. More mm. than the ending of the show was mm. the fact that there were only two fucking songs in the entire... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this entire ancient 10,000-year-old civilization. Everyone knew one of two songs. Yeah, yeah. One of which was written, like, what, 30 years before the show starts? Yeah. Which means that the, there was just the bear and the maiden fair for millennia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love music, the song. I'm a big fan of the song. All of the travelling minstrels were furious when the reigns of Castamere got written. Like, What? <laughs> I have to double my catalogue? <laughs> I haven't had to learn anything since I was 12. <laughs> um, so The Witcher was a really promising show, it's but it was a weird one. show, right? You know what? So it starts yeah. in media res, yeah, um, which is fine. Mm. It wasn't the worst in media res opening I've ever seen. Yeah, I was kind of distracted. But, but like the games, mm. it was unnecessarily difficult to access for those who haven't read the literature. Yeah. So this I is the big, the big problem with the show, right? Yeah. And I, like upon contemplation, I haven't rewatched it, but I like it more the more that I think about it. Like I'm happy to spend time in the world. It's got a great soundtrack. I like that. It's got all these weird little stories and stuff. It's yeah. got kind of a quasi episodic thing going on. It fucking sometimes drags us exactly like a 90s genre TV show. We were discussing this when we were yeah. watching it. It feels very Hercules and Xena yeah. in yep. the kind of, not just the costuming and the set design, yeah, but the ambience in a weird way. The ambience and the structure of the episodes and the needless like taking of time with stuff. There are some fucking conversations, particularly like some of the ones with Yennefer and, and What's-His-Face in the, in the cave... Oh, this stuff. is, yeah, Yennefer just, and her frenemy. I would just tune right <laughs> out and there would be this high keening sound. Because there was this thing with 90s TV shows, right? Like, uh, I'm talking like that, <clears throat> Hercules and Xena, but also like Farscape and, and Star that Trek. That cave and, was very 90s cave as well. Yeah, I'd hoped yeah. we'd gotten away from skull and brazier caves <laughs> by this point. But no, yeah. still a lot of stuff being built with mm. bones for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this thing with those TV shows where they have to fill out a commercial hour, so they've got to fill 45 minutes, and it's a special effects heavy thing, and they've so they've got about five minutes of action and sorcery and stuff, and the rest of it has to be spent talking, and it feels elongated. So occasionally in The Witcher there was some of that, where I would just be like, this is taking a long time. But upon reflection, I really enjoyed being in the, in the, in the sphere. I also thought the Butcher of Blaviken title was unjustly imposed upon him, given the given circumstances. Like, yeah. the Butcher of Blaviken was Renfrey. He was mm. just responding to... Yeah. He was attacked, right? Like He was attacked. But by, by the silliest assailants ever. If I've just fired yeah. a crossbow bolt at somebody and they knock it out of the air <laughs> with their sword, I put the crossbow down and, and apologise. Yeah. <laughs> We misjudged, we misjudged this one, boys. Like, yeah, it's okay. My very slow sword swinging will definitely defeat him. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly realizing that the only people you've ever beaten in a fight have been half-cut dickheads in bars. Yeah. Just being like, this dude's a professional. <laughs> Holy shit. Run. Uh, 
Yeah, but the major problem is the structure, the inaccessibility of it, the weird... The unnecessary time game bullshit yeah. they were doing. So I, I watched it with my father mm. as like a, a sample... Uh, study of a I would normal pay for person. just a little bit of footage of your so father. Dad's like, with it. he doesn't look like he would be the kind mm. of guy who's comfortable just being like, okay, it's a fantasy program. Does yeah. not look like that at all. But he is. I can believe it. Because like, he had to be a... my father, so he's gotten used to the Lord <laughs> of the Rings and fucking shit. He's I didn't. Used. I didn't account for that. Yeah. <laughs> You would it have wrung that out from him a while ago. It huh? gradually kind of, well, look, like he was never super interested in it, I don't think, but it's mm. it's ended his consciousness. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. this is a thing people take seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll watch it. But um, as somebody, like, he's never studied narrative structure, yeah. like, academically. Mm. Um, he doesn't read a lot for recreation. Yeah. Um, He's like the arts are things that he enjoys as you know a sort of layman consumer of arts. He yeah. has no special interest in it, and therefore he found the narrative structure of that show yeah fucking infuriating. I and even though he it. was interested in what was happening, I don't mm. think he would have watched the show if I hadn't been there to explain yeah. what time period. One hundred percent. I don't blame him. Unannounced. It for was. No- yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh no! This is thirty years after that bit. Yeah, interesting. He's no like, indication. Sure it's the next scene. <laughs> yes, the character looks the same. Oh well, none of the characters age. So there's yeah, specifically also, no that's, visual that reference. also doesn't fucking help. Is that yes? They're all magic, eternally young, hot people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. It's a that part of the, that aspect of the show is wonk shit. That's that's the technocratic fucking insider elite yeah and that's really no excuse for making a show like that and there's no reason for it like there's there's no good reason for it the only slap a filter on there there's only ever been one good excuse which is the Nietzsche cop out which is syphilis is beginning to affect my brain and I'm (laughs) losing my sense of what is and isn't followable narrative (laughs) yeah but at least Nietzsche wrote some of the most fucking scintillating and enigmatic philosophy of the time yeah no he did it's it's still amongst the most scintillating and enigmatic philosophy puts a paper but it's also like his cop out for having shitty narrative structures is he was literally going mad while he was writing he was in the fucking (laughs) sanitarium or whatever genuinely losing touch with the world around him yeah um the the biggest like i found that irritating on a on a a a basic level the the biggest sin to me for that and i don't know if other people have responded this way or not you can say whether it bothered you or not but in a in a sort of eight episode arc right episode seven is usually like a big kind of climax point and they had here, episode eight was all in that fucking, that big battle where wizards turned themselves into fireballs just to get oh, knocked yeah, off right. into the distance, which I thought was all right. But episode seven is supposed to be this big sort of climax point that sort of brings everything to a head and sets up the final episode, typically, like in in a typical structure. Episode seven, that big point is the siege of the castle. Yes. Which is also the main part of the plot in fucking episode one or two. That's right. So you're getting a little bit of new information because you follow, you realize, you know that Geralt's there and you're following him. But all he does is get has a fucking. Fe- he just has a fever dream, right? Because he gets bitten uh, by a, he gets bitten in the leg. He gets by bitten a by ghoul. a ghoul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, t- and then he goes to. Is that when he's on his way to the castle? 
I think that's no. That's no. way later, right? I'm talking about. He the ends bits. up going on his way to the castle accidentally because the farmer happens to live near there. Who's... Sure, uh, the specifics I don't recall. But like when he's in the castle, it, it when he's a hard taking show for that, when he's <laughs> when he's taking part in the siege, all he does is get locked in a cupboard. Oh, you're talking about um, the siege where the. Nilfgaardians take the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Not the Battle of Sodden Hill. No, 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 no. Cool. Uh, uh, where the Nilfgaardians take the city and Siri runs away. Yeah. Uh, so That's all right. he does is get fucking arrested and locked in a cupboard and then break out of the cupboard and he's missed Siri and has to leave. So that's the new information. It's about seven minutes of footage. Yeah, it was, it was, they could have set it up at the beginning of the series. Yeah. Because the only, well, there was the reference was um, the attendant comes back to the queen. Yeah. Who can't fight because she's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> of all the, like, issues to have with the fucking show. <laughs> what a dick. Um <laughs> She, look, she does not have a, a, a swordsman's physique. She mm. does look like an actress. Who, yeah. But who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a show where people, as you said, wizards commit suicide by turning themselves into fireballs yeah. and get thrown at castles. Mm. You know, she was. I thought she played the character quite well. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, I liked, really I liked good. that character. I, I, I liked how she was both lovable and an obnoxious cunt at the same time. Yeah, takes, I mean... It takes acting chops to pull that off. That's one of the great strengths of the show and one of the great strengths of, like, the universe generally is that... Most there are a few the- out-and-out good people. Yeah. But there are also very few out-and-out bad people. Yeah. 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 It's nicely it's, balanced. That's its kind of stock in trade thematically is the ambiguous morality of wartime and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, but- so the attendant comes into the room and says, oh, yeah. he's gone, which yeah. I assumed was a reference to the wizard at first. And right. I was confused when the wizard wasn't gone. Yeah. But then it was, oh, no, it was Geralt all, all this time. Yeah, so that tiny revelation that is tiny- all that you get. And, and you that have was to not retread the, the entire fucking siege. Well, and you have to... It's only a revelation that pays off if someone has binge watched the show. If someone yeah. has watched it, like, with a couple of days between episodes, which, God mm. help you if you tried to do that. <laughs> I would have lost my fucking mind if I was like, all right, I've got my one hour free, time to watch an episode of The Witcher, and it's episode one again. <laughs> Like but with fully the, fucking the surprise 30%. revelation that Geralt is there and doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's that 30% of the runtime of that is just reused footage, for fuck's sake. Like... Ah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered the 90s bit. Mm. Uh, the most 90s episode for me was The Dragon Hunt. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. That was so amazingly 90s. That was glorious. That whack CG. I fucking love that. The whack CG, the um, armor that the dragon and his attendants were wearing. Just the whole aesthetic of them. Everything about it was beautifully 90s. That episode was one of my favorites for that reason. Me too. I loved it. Because it was so (laughs) janky and dog shit. And my other favorite uh, was Porcupine Man in the court because that had a similar kind of vibe. It did. Bottle episode. We spent a lot of money on this one set so that's where everything's <laughs> taking place and then the dude has the shittiest looking fucking deep space nine style porcupine makeup oh it was great it, it was, was it was there was there was a, it was a real i liked the i liked the callback to that mm. era of prosthetics yeah fantasy yeah, yeah. 
that was so. I don't think that that was supposed to be the intent. But I don't the, think it was. When it was at it its jankiest was when it was nicest. Yeah. Yeah. That and like some of the action choreography was really good, but there were only a couple of scenes of that. Yeah, really... there wasn't much. There wasn't much witching to be done in yeah. the witchering. Witchering. It was. It's. It's hexa is the direct Polish translation. I think yeah. because obviously witcher isn't a word, so yeah. you can't translate into it. But uh, the entire but world they, would be more boring if it, it was be. called the hexa. I think the general consensus was that hexa was a stupid name, and that's why they yeah. like what about witcher? Don't know what it means. Let's go with it. Yeah, but then you could have had a scenario where the Pixies song "Blue Eyed Hexa" was suddenly about a fucking. Grizzled magical eyes. dude. No, and it's spelt differently, but every time you <laughs> listen to that song, it would be like if it was called Blue Eyed Witcher. <laughs> and how fucking wild that song would be. Not a very good song. I'm uh, looking forward to the second season, though, now mm. that the timelines have synchronized. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more of just it as well. Watch the show Give without more constantly of going, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's got enough, like, joy in it that. It uh, does. And, you know, like, some of the performances are really good. Gatsky is great. Yeah. Henry Cavill's having the time of his life. Is it he? I've never liked him more. Because he's, he's essentially... There's there's a lot of parallel between Geralt and Superman. Yeah. Like, they're both, you know, invincible heroes whose real struggle is internal. Yeah. But Geralt gets to swear and have sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, and say, more fun to play. Deliver a great fuck yeah. once per episode. <laughs> Uh, also use knuckle dusters, which Superman doesn't Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The so other- he's a, but he's a more fun... It's mm. like a Superman-Batman hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Less of a fascist than Batman. Not a fascist at a, all, really. Well, no. Like an anarcho-capitalist, is- really, Geralt. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he doesn't have the, the, the power over people that anarcho-capitalism suggests in its ideology. He's just a, He's just a man trying to get by. Just trying to ply his trade, and he keeps getting sucked into these fucking morality plays. Actually, it's not really. He's not an anarcho capitalist. It's not a free market setup. He was kidnapped as a child and tortured into being a yeah. hunter, monster, killer yeah, thing. That's just the invisible hand of the market, darling. Yes, <laughs> you can't argue with that. Purely egalitarian is the Witcher. Uh, the other, I want to say, favorite episode number three, the one where he fights the. Uh, I forget what it's called, the Strigoth or whatever, the the thing in the uh, the woman in the in the grave. Oh yeah, yeah. So that- this is the um, woman who has been accidentally cursed by her father. Yeah, yeah. The uh, incest. She's thing. a child of incest. Yeah. Because I liked that both because it had the feel of like in the Witcher game where you have to kind of connect dialogue bits. Although I got a, I, you know, I, I was having trouble with my attention span with this show, but I liked the feel of that. And then the monster fight felt like a fucking episode of Buffy the Vampire. Style. Really did, didn't it? The yeah. monster fight was fun. Yeah. Especially because there was that. So he doesn't actually have to defeat her. He literally just has to keep her out of the, out of the coffin yeah. until the roosters crowed. Yeah. Um, her dad is King Foltest mm. of uh, Kingdom of yes. Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And um, he plays the incest dude. Actually, like, with a really incredibly sweet sympathy bit of like look me and my sister grew up being a royal is weird we don't yeah. really know or trust anybody else <laughs> yeah yeah 
It wasn't <laughs> ideal, but it is what happened. That's, yeah. I'm just going to leave it there. You all know that the monarchy's <laughs> fucking weird and, and whack. Why would you expect us to act normally? Yeah. It's you who's the monster. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When it felt 90s was a strong suit. I'm, I'm excited for the second season. Me too. I found it infuriating in a lot of ways, but... Well, I think reflection. canonically, we might be going to Skelliger in the second season. That'll be cool. Geralt has to... Because I think Ciri grew up in Skelliger, yeah? Right. Because he wanted her to be safe somewhere, which mm-hmm. obviously wasn't with him hunting monsters or with Yennefer doing her yeah. politics bullshit. So mm. I think he was like, well, hide her on the weird Viking Irish people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited about that. The Skelliger, Skelliger's cool. Viking Irish people is a good mashup, by the way. Yeah, what a fucking inspired choice. <laughs> just take old Celtic shit and just nurse it up a little bit. Yeah, such a simple move, but it mm. fucking flows together beautifully. It's really good. All right, well, that's... That's The Witcher done. We're going to take a quick break and then get back to the actual show. Yeah, (laughs) it's an hour in. Because apparently this whole fucking country is burning down. Yeah. Except in Melbourne, where we're wet as fuck. It rains dirt from central... (laughs) Fuck it, from the red, like, northern Victoria or wherever that dust storm came from. That's right, it did rain dirt for a bit. Yeah. But it mostly rains rain, like actual rain. And there are people wandering around Melbourne going, oh, this rain's good, isn't it? We needed this. <laughs> like, oh, again. This is why the rest of the country fucking hates us. <laughs> yeah, we really needed this rain. Yeah. With our still half full reservoir that we've got and desalination plant fucking running. <laughs> yeah. It was all for us. All right. We'll be back with topics. We'll be back with topics. Topics, 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 topics. Oh, what's our, what's our first topic, Darcy? Our first topic We've is... got some good uh, podcast uh, food and drink. Our first topic is the, um, the new reality for Australia, which yes. is that our continent is rapidly becoming incapable of sustaining developed human life. Yep. Yeah, uh, even though it's... It's perfectly logical. I don't know that any of us really took seriously the idea that we would be on the front line of the the global climate crisis, but of course it makes sense. Well, we're not used to being on the front line of global things because we've always been conveniently away from the rest of the world. Yeah, we always just assumed that it would take us another 10 or 20 years to catch up with everybody. Traditionally, it has, and traditionally our location has been fucking great. Mm -hmm. However, we are now isolated and on fire. Yeah, yeah. It is really quite... I tend to to not uh, buy too much into sort of, like, gauche sentimentality or whatever, but, like, it, <laughs> it's a national... You certainly fucking, do not. <laughs> it's a national trauma, right? Like... Yes, it is. It's, like, on a, on a, on a really significant scale that even knowing that the bushfire season was going to be bad, I wasn't prepared for just how much it would affect everybody... Or everybody with a fucking beating heart. Well, because it's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. It's not unforeseen, no. right? Because it's completely in line with the climate modelling that has been done for, you know, 40 years consistently that has yeah. explained that this would happen now. But it is unprecedented. No one living in Australia has been through anything like this before. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid we are going to become increasingly used to it. Yeah. Because, again, that's the climate modelling. Definitely. 
I was uh, saying to somebody that, like, my biggest fear out of this politically, we have this fucking uh, unbelievable and, and, and disgusting strain of, of persistent denialism going on and, and misinformation and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I was which saying we, that, like, News Corps should be fucking prosecuted for. Oh, and dismantled yeah, 100%, as an organization. 100%. 100%. Uh, but, like, my biggest fear is that, like, next year there'll be nothing left to burn, and so we'll have a, a regular fire season or whatever. Well, like, that's the thing. There's still. There's so much bush in Australia. Yeah. There will still be plenty to burn. There'll still be plenty to burn, but, like, <clears throat> hypothetically, my fear is next year's not quite so bad because this was sort of the big kickoff or whatever. And then that fuels stasis and, and like, conc- uh, concretizes this as a, as a sort of anomaly in the heads of these these absolute psychopaths who are trying to tell us that actually there was a hot day in fucking 1950 or... The accounts of settlers said that yeah, there were terrible there were bushfires were in the taking 1800s. fucking diaries from, like, the Henty family, mm. being like, oh, well, it was crazy hot when the Henty's got here. Mm. Was it... Did they have scientific instruments to measure the temperature, yeah. the henties? Or had they just come from England yeah. and were going, wow, it is fucking relatively extremely hot here. Yeah. <laughs> it is Guess what? biggest belief. None of the settlers were trained meteorologists. Yeah, yeah. Half of them went on fucking ill-fated expeditions to the Red Centre where they died of exposure. Like... We're talking about morons with no training, and they're like, oh, yeah, so weigh this against all of the meteorological data gathered by the fucking Bureau of Meteorology and, and, and places worldwide as well. Also, we're not interested in any of their references to how many black people they murdered yeah, yeah, yeah. setting up their properties. There's, that's, there's, that's not reliable <clears throat> information. There's a certain sort of, like, dark irony in the fact that the, uh, the Bruce Pascoe defamation smear shit is happening at the same time. Yeah, where they're sure. like, we can't believe the diaries of settlers at the same time <laughs> that they're making these fucking truly absurd claims about relative temperatures and stuff. Why would they fabricate accounts of killing black people in their own personal, not for publication <laughs> diaries? It makes no yeah. sense whatsoever. The whole thing hinged on that fucking stupid website that was like, oh, actually, it didn't say this. And then uh, I forget which paper it was, but one of the papers, maybe The Guardian sent somebody to the state library to double check all the sources that Bruce Pascoe cites in, in Dark Emu. And he was like, yeah, it's a hundred percent accurate. Everything that Bruce Pascoe says is backed up by the primary sources. Yeah. And also like intuitively just very believable because yeah. people used <clears throat> to live here and then we invaded them and occupied all of the yeah. land. And now there are far fewer of those people living here. Yeah. It's really it's, like not hard. <laughs> yeah, it was the stuff about wells and stuff that they took issue with. Oh right, like Andrew Bolt, who's kind of spearheaded the campaign, is like, de- like it's obvious he wears it on his sleeve that he thinks that Aboriginal people are subhuman, so he thinks that they were scientifically incapable of building a well, yeah. or building a paddock or a hut, despite it's the like, enormous aquaculture archaeology yeah. that we have in Victoria that demonstrates that before the pyramids <laughs> were built, they were doing sophisticated aquaculture. And- yeah, yeah, but this is the shit that he disputes. Uh, like a fucking moron and a villain. Uh, Not to say that he <clears throat> is a moron and a villain, just that he just has that all of the characteristics <laughs> yeah. of a moron and a villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
hundred fucking decency with Andrew Bolt characteristics. Mm-hmm. 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 Chips were a bad choice. <laughs> they were. I'm gonna put the chips away. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, everyone will stop listening at this sorry, point. Sorry, listener. I've got a few more, so you'll hear me eat them in a minute. Uh. So the bushfires but, yeah, like, have sparked a surprisingly low amount of uh, revolutionary political discussion in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jericho, in his uh, increasingly angry man Guardian column, mm-hmm. has made it very clear that he's intensely suspicious of the language the coalition is using. Yep. That he's basically put out a call for progressives to not buy into the adapt and change line the coalition are pushing because as he said what that will mean is not fucking doing anything not fucking doing anything and also simultaneously laying the groundwork for eco-fascism that's right um which is the worst of both possible worlds yeah that's Uh, if if you think that the national socialist nationalist socialist furphy where people say that nazis are socialists yeah is bad wait until you know who you can trust the Nazis, because they used the word social, <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. like everything else. <laughs> you know, Chamberlain wasn't misled by the naive <laughs> assumption that you could just trust these people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, if you think that that conflation is bad, wait until uh, interested parties start to conflate. I mean, I guess we won't have to deal with it for another hundred years, but I oh, wait I for mean, the future maybe. generations that have to deal with the conflation of... Uh, environmental issues and, and eco-fascism. Assuming that there's still a discourse or an internet or anybody gives a shit. Well, if you consider the mileage that the Tories made here from the um, non-existent threat of Islamic terrorism, yeah, imagine the mileage they could make from the very real existential crisis of environmental regulation. Yeah, it's a perfect recipe for some really bad politics. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I used to think, I mean, I still, the hope that I harbour, the one sliver of hope that I allow myself in the current international sort of electoral politics climate is that the United States do something good and then they set the groundwork for Australia to imitate later because we we don't have an original bone in our body on sort of a mass culture level politically or <clears throat> or otherwise. But, I mean, individuals do, but... Yeah, no, collectively it. we tend to just... Now that yeah. Britain's out of the picture, just follow the next guy that we put in their spot. Yeah, yeah. What I now worry is that America will fix their shit or start fixing their shit. They've got a long way to go. Uh, <clears throat> they'll start fixing their shit and then we'll go in the opposite direction and we'll be on the other side of whatever fucking uh, international kind of narrative happens there. We'll be one of the bad countries, which I we deserve. See us becoming we are one of the like bad a kind countries. of environmental South Africa in the 1980s, just refusing to yep. shift. Yeah, yeah. It seems really likely. I don't know. It's whole. It's uh, it's a, uh, it's bleak. It's extremely bleak, um, and the response from Labour has been extremely weak. Yes. Labour are still doing their essentially a, nice guy. That was a good. We mustn't politicize this. In, thank you. <laughs> we mustn't politicize this inherently political issue. Yeah. Which is what is our policy response to mm. climate change? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, that the, it's baffling to me. It's really baffling me 
to me that the the line that they're taking there is is to shore up their relationship with coal interests. Yeah, and Anthony Albanese's that... whirlwind tour of carbon economies <clears throat> was yeah amazingly ill judged. I understand that like mining unions and stuff form a part of their uh, sort of ally ship. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and They're part base. of the Labor Federation, but yeah. it's also now reached such a critical point yeah. that we have to talk about getting those workers into other jobs. Yeah. We just have to. We absolutely do. <laughs> it doesn't... Uh, there's no... <laughs> There's Labor, no way to overstate it. It's, like, they didn't do this shit when the textiles industry was closed down in Victoria. Yeah. They didn't do this when the automotive industry was closed down in Victoria and South Australia. No. For some reason, the only workers they feel like they have to put their necks out for are mm. the ones who work in industries that are causing verifiable harm to yeah. the ecosphere that we depend on. Yeah. And, and econo- like, this is a dimension that keeps getting lost because it's, like, a fourth or fifth order kind of thing in terms of importance. But economically, it's devastating as well. The tourism industry has been completely fucking destroyed, and it's one, one of the few things we have left. Well, economically, <clears throat> having to rebuild large, devastated areas of the country can be great for growth. Mm. You can get a lot of returns from investing in that well, sort there of thing. Is that- so. There is that cynical sphere that... Which I'm sure nobody would ever mm. realise is just a new way to make money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's also very efficient for land-clearing interests, those who wish to uh, clear land for one reason, either to harvest its uh, resources or to build upon it. Mm. There's no interpretation too cynical for... Not that there's been any talk of corporate arson at this point. All of the arson-related things, which are the only things that have caused the bushfires. It's nothing to do with the early fire season. Yeah, This has been a weird pitch from News Corp, yeah. right? Because arsonists have always been a factor in bushfires. Yeah, They seem to think that environmentalists are suggesting global warming has resulted in the spontaneous combustion of bushland, and that yeah. by disproving that, they can win the argument. Yeah, Like, no, yeah. there has always been... A cause for bushfires. Yeah. Eucalyptus trees don't just suddenly catch fire. Well, let's let's go through. There's a few things. This is the thing that's really pissing me off. And I have a broad point that I want to make about democracy, which is kind of speculative. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I think the two big things that we have to hit is this arson shit and, and then the Morrison's new land clearing shit that he's talking about. But in terms of the arsonist thing... So the figure that's getting thrown around is 180 people arrested for arson Correct. or whatever. Which the police have disputed. but The police have disputed, and also they're not being arrested for arson. They're being arrested for arson and accidental fire starting, yeah. which is how a lot of fires start. And it's something like 20 people or something. Yeah. There's nothing unusual about the number of arsonists this no. year. The problem is the incredible perfection of the fire starting environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's the thing. It's like they're not mega arsonists. the The issue is not how the fires start. It's the severity and in, and and uh, like longevity of the fires. Yeah, the causes are the same as they always have been and always yeah. will be. And it could be one hundred and eighty arsonists. We could have a rash. It could be five times the number of arsonists. It's more than five times the amount of devastation. Like mm. it's so widespread, so significant. This fucking apocalyptic 
weather shit. We're in the middle of Melbourne, right? <clears throat> well, not in the middle, but like close to the middle. Uh, this shit shouldn't be fucking affecting us. Uh, uh, leaving aside for a second the fact that Bandura caught fire a few w- weeks ago, it which did. is fucking crazy. The idea of cities being choked with fucking ash and having and and Canberra having the worst air quality in the world on fucking Boxing Day was it? Yeah, that shit is implausible for fiction, <laughs> and we've all adapted to it so quickly. The idea of walking around with fucking masks. Oh yeah, so dust masks. <clears throat> yeah, um, you don't have to look like a knobhead with a dust mask on your face. That mm. does not keep smoke out of you. That keeps dust out of you. Well, it, if you want to get actual smoke protection, you need to have something with like a rebreather or a proper. Yeah, filter. this is the you got to get the P two. Not a carpenter's uh, dust filter mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody do that. I've uh, seen. Uh, Mads has seen ads of uh companies selling fashionable p2 masks of course capitalizing on that fucking misery great that people are building custom p2 masks for dogs capitalism's very adaptable yeah yeah (laughs) no kidding uh like just the the atmosphere of it is so wide reaching and so fucking uh, soon you'll be able to buy those metal raider arms yeah yeah (laughs) yep a hundred percent. We'll change it. We'll officially change the name of petrol to gasoline. <laughs> Rename Brisbane as Bullet Town, and we can just fucking go from there. Uh, so it's yeah. It, the the scale of this thing is so fucking far off the charts that that the question of arson becomes is a non-question. It's obviously you know misdirection and stuff. So my like worry here or my my question here is this shit most of which is presumably misinformation either promoted by like either directly stated by special interests or pushed into the discourse by special interests that much i think is fairly obvious or at the most charitable it's the end result of those special interests pushing themselves into the discourse over the past fucking however many decades like we know that they have so my question is when misinformation and disinformation is at this level that they're infecting the discourse democracy becomes an impediment it's it's it it, becomes very difficult you know like during a war time Mm. scenario right either of the two world wars a case in point Mm. if your media organization published material that was harmful to the existential state of the nation yeah you would be like shut down yeah i don't see why a much higher risk scenario Mm. should involve a completely business as usual response i know like it should have already been illegal for the murdochs to have the hold over the the amount of media well it was until john howard became prime minister yeah (laughs) thanks john howard yeah, yeah, our fucking hero. Who he needs? really is like the the modern um, Australian prime minister fucking figurehead, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know what word I'm searching for, but he's the the Reagan Thatcher, like that kind of iconic uh, paradigm shifting fuckwit. It's true. <clears throat> uh, it, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It's fucking criminals. <laughs> 
the media landscape, uh, the con- the concentration of it, the concentration of it, and the blatant and the the falsehood, blatant falsehood, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I don't understand how spreading propaganda designed mm. to bring about the end of life on this planet yeah. is not a criminal offence of some kind. It begs belief. When, it, when you stack it up against things that we do criminalise in this fucking yeah. country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go to fucking jail for smoking weed three times <laughs> inside of a cop. And that's a generous marijuana policy in Victoria. Yeah. If you're in another... If you're a fucking... An Aboriginal... Another Aboriginal woman was killed in prison uh, because of... Fu- she shoplifted. Mm-hmm. She shoplifted and she was put into a fucking jail cell and ended up dead. But you're, but you can agitate for that shop to be burnt to the ground, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, well, no, you couldn't because that's anti-business. But that's what they're doing. They are like, yeah, agitating yeah, yeah. indirectly. For, yeah, just the conflagration of the entire fucking country, because they can fucking the people with <laughs> with this money can just loot the place and fucking live overseas. Rupert already does. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't, I don't have a vessel in which to put this anger, but it is like <laughs> democracy is is this great thing. Uh, like I think it deserves its reputation as as a defining great uh, kind of institution. Well, in, it's obviously in like insurmountably better than autocracy. Yeah, right. But, but it it its enormous weakness is in the distribution of information. Yeah, yeah. It's a delicate instrument, and that's what the crucial. Like the fourth estate has is such a crucial fucking element of that, and it's it's heartbreaking as with so many political truths. And I like I count myself among the people that I'm about to describe, but that so many of us didn't realize what was going on until it was too fucking late. That in the throughout the '90s and the early 2000s, that that politics as usual was seen as this uh, acceptable state of affairs. Yeah, and they're, they're like we fully bought into the fucking Fukuyama end of history horseshit. I know I bring him up all the time, but it's because he's so emblematic of that fucking self-involved, narcissistic, Western fucking supremacist horseshit that has fucked us. It's killed us. We've killed ourselves. You couldn't write a Greek tragedy this fucking taut. It's true, and it's also. I mean, it frustrates me as well because politics, as usual, as we characterize it. Mm has existed for a historically intensely short period yeah, of time. Yeah, it's a flash in the pan. Really, we're talking about five years before the Soviet Union ended mm-hmm. to, I guess, the financial crisis. Yeah. Right? That was politics as usual. It was, yeah. you know, 30 years thereabouts. It but wasn't long. At the worst possible Based on an time. average, politics as usual is, you know royal family marriage plans that's like politics as usual on a historic average (laughs) yeah yeah it's just at the exact wrong time it's the definition of choking and it it ingrained so many fucking terrible things and like a lot of that the corruption and shit in in western politics was there but not to the degree that it is now and like well no because we got complacent at exactly and and this has been the big difference between there's a lot of like commentary about the the term neoliberalism doesn't actually mean anything it just means something that you don't like it does mean something yeah the reason it's called neoliberalism as opposed to liberalism 
Now, um, classical liberalism? No, because There's that's conservatism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was liberalism, when you're looking at like... Your... <laughs> when did we step into the pages of a fucking Jonathan Swift novel? <laughs> when, when you're looking at... The... Fucking... Did we ever leave the pages? <laughs> yeah, of... I guess that's... He opened his book and he covered the world <laughs> with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when you look at like the sort of mid-late 18th century liberal yeah. philosophers, there was never an argument that they made, or that they made en masse anyway, mm. that you should just allow monetary exchange to govern all of human life. Yeah. There was still a very clear idea that you had a community whose interests you were acting as part of. Yeah. You know, from like... Um, Adam Smith and David Hume's insistence on universal education. Yeah. Um, which is obviously not a neoliberal idea. Mm. This idea that all of society was to be treated as if it was a marketplace. Yeah. Uh, and in which every single thing was a commodified object is the heart of neoliberalism. Yeah. Under actual liberalism, a marketplace is important but it's something that a society has it's yeah, not it's actually the, the definition society. of the entire community a hundred percent the public square still fucking exists yeah so that's that is the <clears throat> seismic shift in neoliberalism and that is what has completely destroyed our um, notion of civilization because mm. anything that cannot be immediately quantified into a commodity becomes an outlier yeah and, you know, well, I mean, I that's think... like the atmosphere and the environment, for yeah, instance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're kind of getting past this point now, but like in that, yeah, that the, stall, that great stall saying, at the that top of the That business as usual stuff was the neoliberal shift, right? Yeah, and yeah. that has been what has poisoned uh, not just like popular culture, but yeah. intellectual culture, political culture, every aspect yeah. of... Artistic culture. kind of lazily call Western culture. Yeah. Sorry, Japan and South Korea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Um, Your sellouts. Yeah. Has basically been in... That is the neoliberal revolution, is the business as usual politics. It's the bit where you you take off in the plane and you ascend and then you reach the zenith of your fucking arc and then the engines cut out. Mm. And instead of saying, oh, the engines have fucking cut out, you say, this is pleasant. It's quite quiet. We must have landed. We're here. We've arrived. And they're just ignoring the fucking fall. It's... I don't know. It's a bit too... It's so total. It's so total. Like, you look at... From from big stuff... Like, the environment is, the like, the big obvious fucking marker of what's going on. But you look at everything. You look at... Uh, what like public communities look at uh, community centers and see how like vestigial and 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 fucking impoverished they are yeah. and the sorts of things that they run are mostly childcare basically or hobbyism for for, for men's shed type stuff yeah men's shed type stuff and and see the way that councils talk about them as as loss leaders and like grudgingly as a as a, as a necessary part of the thing because every council has one or whatever. And there are different, different, uh, approaches in different areas or whatever. But you look at that, you look at arts communities, like, uh, they don't fucking exist. Like live music is dying in Melbourne. Yeah. 
obviously a big claim, listener, but uh, not entirely true, necessarily. It's dwindling, but bear with me. It's a rhetorical device. Fewer it's got and fewer a... venues are <clears throat> capable of doing it. Yeah. Even people who've got the facilities to do it are looking at their cost-benefit analysis and saying, like, yeah. man, it's not worth it. Yeah, because um, people, I mean, partly because people don't have the money, partly because money. sociality has been uh, redefined. Bands are a fucking nightmare to organise and yeah, you know, well, make sure they actually turn up and do the fucking gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. And Neighbors from the band's have... perspective as well, it's a lot of work. It's all fucking unpaid or you get like little 110 little bucks money. to get five people who you know <laughs> to come out and watch you or whatever. Like, it's a You it's have a to real compete grind. with um, the YouTube dollar, basically. Now, if you're if you're a venue mm-hmm. trying to draw up live music, yeah. you have to, people have to think it is more worth their time turning up to your venue and doing a gig than it is putting mm. may, maybe in that evening that's you know three videos you could upload onto youtube yeah yep uh there's a there's impediments everywhere you look at the writing community which is comparatively one of the more robust artistic communities in this uh country or this city well, it's got the lowest overheads basically it's got the lowest overheads the and it's mostly organized through the internet and through events uh like where you can go and like listen to somebody speak and i was about to say whatever, and but, the writing community has the wheeler center yeah. which i don't think there's a musical equivalent of no uh, what would it be like it's not it doesn't uh, discourse doesn't happen in the same way with, no. with music but also like even that is so often lensed through fucking the commerce of it and what it means to be a what a, it financially working... brings to us yeah 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 and where it isn't that it's and i'm talking about people whose work i really like and and who i like personally but a lot of the events that they do is about fucking accumulating cultural capital and, and I don't blame them for that because it's kind of what literature has to do to survive is just constantly uh, reaffirm that it's worthy or whatever. And then worthwhile discussions happen within there and and stuff, but usually about sort of sociopolitical issues, which isn't necessarily the centre of writing. I mean, Music whatever. business Maybe is also could... very dependent, which writing isn't. Mm. Music, you have to have professional middle people, right? Like promoters and organizers mm-hmm. who are financially very squeezed. Well right? you don't you don't have to. You well, can you I can think, have a robust fucking local thing. If, There's if, a lot. if you want to have like bands touring, yeah. International acts coming in, interesting mm. people visiting various areas. Yeah. You need all of to have stuff. somebody who's coordinating it and putting their neck out and making it happen. Yeah, for sure. And it's a huge financial risk for them. And mm. it's very little financial reward for them for the risks that they take. Yeah. So they, they're kind of people who don't fit into our economy anywhere, as like business people or as mm. workers or as anything. But they're, I'm I'm kind of saying that those people have the most, the highest prospects of survival in the the music scene. The thing that's already like that's really on the fucking ropes is the the DIY like the community shit. That's not about making the money or whatever. Money obviously is causing But they do a lot to... of community work as well. Yeah, right? yeah, because yeah. Because they're the ones who are getting young acts into venues. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not discounting that 
but it's just like from root to fucking branch. It's 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 all fucked. Anyway, I know. I'm just I'm, thinking because <clears throat> you don't need that person in a writing community. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's much more decentralized and 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 uh, free actor stuff, well, which means no- there's a lot of gig economy horse shit going on. <sighs> True, <laughs> but you know that flexibility is necessary for survival, unfortunately. But like, I'm getting it out of. Yeah, so the bushfires. Pocket. But um, my point, my point with all of that was just to say that, like, you think, I think about all of these things that have been impoverished and squeezed and killed by this fucking uh, broad sort of range of programs and policies which make up neoliberalism. And I'm filled with so much fucking, like, grief and anger about that. Well, look at it this way. It drives me fucking the crazy. The government's no overwhelming out. priority is still a budget surplus. Yeah. That's in the still the federal the f- government's main thing. In the midst of a fucking when continent-wide was, conflagration. You know, the need for public spending has never, ever gone down historically. Yeah. There's never, ever been less reasons for mm. governments. It's always the more money governments spend in the public, the more mm. reason there re- emerges for them to keep spending it, right? Yeah. Because society begins to take that spending as part of its foundations and build on it. And mm. if you then stop that spending, you collapse society. Basically, yeah. it's really straightforward. And now... It's like, like improving can, can, the fuel efficiency in your car by taking the fucking engine out. <laughs> it is. It is mental. Um, trying to treat a blood-borne illness by, like, pumping someone's circulatory system dry. It's mental. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking The only dumb. reason a surplus exists for is if, like, inflation's going to be damaging to... Yeah social stability we're so far off we are that fucking a problem. really long way away from that um japan's inflationary rates are mm. much higher than ours and it is causing them no significant problems whatsoever yeah like inflation is not inherently bad if you don't have inflation then you have financial crises every yeah, 15 it's... minutes because the credit can never well the money supply can never keep up with the credit rate essentially yeah it's like salt, you know, you have too much of it and that's bad. But if you have none of it, your brain cells can't communicate with each other. Like Pretty much. Yeah. Worse. Worse than a hardened artery. Pretty much. <laughs> is having your legs go all wobbly and shitting yourself like those people who run marathons. Um, but Scott did come back from his holiday and he did um, get yeah. shouted at by people and yeah. behave in an embarrassing and incompetent fashion. And, mm-hmm. you know make life worse for everyone he confronted as they yep. were trying to deal with the crisis around them and were suddenly presented with a socially incompetent, arrogant wanker who in- forced them to shake his hand and somehow thought that would work well. <laughs> that fucking footage. <laughs> yeah. Traditionally, if someone doesn't take your hand, things can only get better if you make them take it. Yeah. That's the one of the first things you learn in pubs. <laughs> <laughs> Is like forcing oh, body contact on people who are recoiling from you. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that Scott never fucking got his head around pub etiquette. But everything has to run through the pub test now, Kieran. Yeah, that's true. That's another thing we have to thank neoliberalism for, because it's destroyed any metric of governmental success. It just becomes the pub test. Yeah. What yeah. do drunk people think is a good idea? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great, a great measure of things. Would you have a beer with him? I would have a beer with fucking any of them, and it shouldn't matter. I would have a beer with Bob Hawke. Yeah, I would have a beer. I would have claret with Gough Whitlam. Yeah. 
But we're talking about... The current ones? Two dead men who existed before the pub test, although you can argue that one of Bob Hawke's great sins is that he probably (laughs) helped to accelerate that notion of the pub test. He definitely has a little bit to answer for in the idea that having a fun guy as leader is a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Plus his collaboration with the CIA during the Whitlam administration. Yeah, all right. I mean, that doesn't affect actual, like, (laughs) modern electoral (laughs) behaviours, though. That's my my point. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Plus, he had to beat Whitlam somehow. <laughs> uh, um, Nobody beat Goff in a fair fight. Well, yeah. I mean, unless it was an actual fight, in which case I don't think he would have done very well. But I don't know. The dude was like nine feet tall. Like, probably yeah, just monster he him. Have, he'd have fought like you or me, though. He'd have been like, <laughs> uh, I just have to get lucky with my first punch. Otherwise, this is going to be over quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He fails the brawl test. Uh did you see the interview that, this is a cursed sentence, the interview that Scott Morrison did with Peter Credlin? Actually, no. Mm. I didn't see the whole thing because I'm... I'm going to watch it when I go home, though. I think it's text. Uh, oh, I'm, that's I'm so annoying. actively avoiding Scott Morrison shit at the moment, uh, but I did see the excerpt where he said people asked Love me... Love the, the smugness coming off those two. Oh, like, yeah. It would make us seem humble and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to do it outside because if they did it in a room, it would fucking fill the place up and asphyxiate <laughs> the, the cameraman would have to be there with an alcohol swab every 15 <laughs> seconds cleaning the lens off. Uh, the one line that I saw was Scott Morrison said, oh, somebody the other day asked me about targets for 2050 and you know, that's a long way off. So like, that's the attitude that he's bringing in. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong in that as far as your like prime ministerial career is concerned, that is a massive way off. Yeah. But as far as like a governmental nation building position is concerned. Yeah. That's really the shortest term you should be thinking. (laughs) As far as fucking catastrophic climate change is concerned as well that's it's got its boots on man it's fucking running it's a long a long time 30 years of ever worsening conditions yep but yeah yeah we're, we're fucked well, uh, i've got an irish passport i recommend everybody the irish are currently uh in the mood to give them away i think they approved a million or nearly a million um uk people to be irish citizens last year get in mm-hmm. while they're being generous yeah, I don't think I have the necessary blood quanta, but I'll check. <laughs> uh, the other, the maybe the capstone to this whole thing is uh, the latest policy being pushed by the Morrison government is uh, setting fuel reduction burn targets for the state governments, which are, firstly, they're obscenely high targets. It's going to cost a lot more than he's expecting. Uh, secondly, it's really dangerous. Because the... Well, the reason that state governments have been doing less and less burning is because it's yeah. become more and more dangerous to do the burning because yeah. of climate change. <laughs> yeah. Because um, we're now at a state where having controlled burns is mm. becoming an increasingly fictitious notion. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're nev- they're, they don't stop bushfires anyway to begin with. They're no, about, they don't. They're about like arresting and controlling its path. That's right. Not about... Well, no, you can't um, stop a fire by having a fire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, unless you genuinely believe everything the Conservatives tell you. Yeah. You can fight fire with fire. 
they do get out of control and have in the past of gotten course, out of control. Of fires. Yeah. In bushland that produces eucalyptus oil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that gum trees actively shed their skin around them as a form of fucking kindling because that's how they regenerate. Yeah. Uh, of course they get out of control. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the, the Morrison government's policy uh, tactic is to force the state governments to participate in costly, unsafe uh, fuel reduction burns that actually don't uh, uh, solve the problem at all. But this is the Jericho warning about the mm. adaptability front. Yeah. The smokescreen of everything stays the same. We just, instead of security theatre, we now are going to get environment theatre, yeah. basically. Yep. That's what that's what it boils down to. 100%. I agree with that. Uh, the one note of optimism, and it's a vanishingly small optimism but it is an optimism uh is that first nations burning practices have finally been getting the fucking legitimacy that uh, legitimacy that they deserve yes I read, a I read a fascinating article about this is a very white way of introducing a very white experience uh, we are i very, read a fascinating article about a very white person Kieran. yeah yeah no <laughs> fucking kidding i clearly deserve an irish passport <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, essentially because they, they, and again, I don't pretend to understand <laughs> everything, but, uh, burnt with a lot of, uh, personnel on deck at much cooler temperatures, Australian flora, generally, if you burn it at cooler temperatures, it regenerates, uh, or it, it helps to, to promote sort of wild grasses and stuff with much less dangerous, uh, uh, tendencies with regards to bushfires when shit burns at a hot temperature that's when you get bracken and a bunch right. of really dry foliage so really bad bushfires as well as doing the natural they then thing get of, really bad bushfires yeah yeah and there's a certain amount that's necessary to regenerate eucalypts and stuff like that but but overall and and not just bushfires but uh, fuel reduction burns really hot fuel reduction burns create uh. down the track uh, worse conditions. And this is the kind of thing that uh, some commentators have been talking about when they say that, like, really bad bushfires in the same area within, like, 10 years of each other is wild, and we're getting really bad bushfires in places that have had really bad bushfires three or four years ago. It's because, like, it just builds on itself and gets worse. But they did, like, a pilot program, like, a, mostly I think it was set up as, like, a cultural education kind of program using first like indigenous uh uh controlled burn techniques in this uh small area uh, around the king is it king lake it's not king lake listener uh the area that i'm talking about is uh tathra near bega so in uh 2018 there was a wildfire uh that started around bega which you will uh, remember also fucking got burned this time around. Anyway, there was a, uh, a small area uh, at Tathra West uh, that was owned by the Bega Local Aboriginal Land Council. Uh, they received the title to the land in 2016, uh, and that's where they did the thing that I'm talking about. So it was in that kind of area, this area that they did this uh, controlled burn in fucking didn't get burnt because they had these big uh, tracts of 
area, uh, big tracts of land, huge tracts of land that are, <laughs> that, that had been subjected. The worst Yorkshire accent I've heard in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> it was extremely extemporaneous. Uh, I didn't really fucking think about it. Uh, but anyway, because the controlled burn had been take, ta- had taken place, it, it created these really wide fire breaks uh, that essentially saved a small settlement. Okay. From from that particular, I think it was that. So fire. so we're looking at making the old new again. Mm. Yeah. But it will take a very long time for this to actually filter through into an effective policy. It's basically already people who are predisposed to be enthusiastic about the idea that indigenous people might know what the fuck might have they're talking to about. To yeah, their own yeah, country. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fancy, that are, that are fancy really people who lived here for 80,000 years knowing mm. something about the place, Kieran. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, it's odd. It's strange. Uh, but anyway, it is gaining a bit of traction, which is something to be optimistic about. And it's gaining legitimacy uh, because of the uh, of the Canadian firefighters that came to help with the bushfire uh, the firefighting stuff. There's a, a small contingent of uh, Indigenous Canadian uh people who have come over specifically to collaborate and to, to like share knowledge around firefighting and stuff with indigenous firefighters here, which is bringing this kind of like, I mean, that's legitimacy because cool. Canadian forests, of course, are coniferous, yeah, which means that they're very like resin heavy. So they mm. also go up like fucking crazy when you spark them. Yeah. It makes sense. And, and I mean, I, I think that that's probably good. Not like European fucking mm. forests and they're wet hardwood yeah i don't catch fire easily garbage yeah there it's kind of the opposite uh, cities burn down but forests... yeah yeah medieval fucking carpentry based <laughs> yeah. cities catch fire yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's made of a special kind of concrete made out of paper and petrol <laughs> the petrol keeps the rain out <laughs> not really the germane problem um yeah. That's a bleak joke about the Grenfell fire disaster that has had a similar impact on British policies. Oh, yeah. These fires have had on our policies. Mm. Yep. Our government has actually done more off the back of the Grenfell fire disaster <laughs> than the British government has, which is fucking sick. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the Grenfell shit is bad. I don't like to think about that. I don't like to think about the fact that that seat is a Tory seat. Yeah. Hmm. One final note of positivity. If you can find one, go on. American celebrities have really pitched in to help. That's true. Tony Hawk, Metallica. Metallica have always been nice guys. Yeah, morons, but but nice. Aren't they English? Metallica? No, not Metallica. I'm thinking of Iron Maiden. Yeah. Iron Maiden they both have, British. I don't know. They both is have, Iron Maiden British? I think so. Black Sabbath is British. Black Sabbath are British. Iron Maiden have, I'm fairly sure, UK roots. I have, I have no fucking clue. I get confused between them and Metallica a lot because they both have metal references in their names, and I do not follow yeah. heavy metal very. Yeah, closely. it's the it's the genre because <laughs> it's all a bit. That hysterical. blows my mind. Somebody getting Metallica confused with anybody blows my mind a little bit. But look, it's all just a bit hysterical for me, Kieran. Yeah, I struggle okay. to. Yeah, I can if I'm super drunk, I can listen is. to it. Uh, yeah, Metallica. The YouTube channel, gaming YouTube channel, Funhouse. <laughs> Those are the three I know. One is... Pretty good. Has uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson shipped anything in? I don't know. Probably. He's... Andrew Twiggy Forrest did, which is nice because he's mm. part of the reason this shit's happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's good. Thank you. Yeah. 
less Be- than one percent of his money. But hey, we get what yeah. we get. <laughs> Bezos threw this the same money that he makes in about four hours. <laughs> threw that in. That's good. Which had everybody saying, "See, this is why we need billionaires." And Donald Trump very generously contributed. Not trying to help, which was a relief. <laughs> yeah, keeping his fucking stupid, fat, greasy fucking catches mid of a face. Elon out Musk of also very kindly did not try to help. Yeah, by introducing an amazing machine that the fire surface wouldn't have thought of yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a I've sort put, of tunnel. I've put tank tracks on mm. the fucking submarine. Yeah, and yeah. Now we can use it to evacuate people. It'll be like an oven. It'll be great. What I've been thinking is that we, uh, again, accent, fucking pure free association. He doesn't have a national accent. He just has a literal tailor-made Elon Musk accent. So it's fair. It's hard to do. What I've been thinking is uh, the big thing has always been the the difficulty from getting, for getting uh, water from place to place. So what I'm going to do is build a series of tunnels under the continent of Australia, (laughs) which come out at bushfire areas. (laughs) And you just pump billions of litres of water into the tunnel. You just flood Australia with seawater. It'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) That's not a thousand miles away from something he might think of. Although I'm liking the subterranean angle. Yeah. So eventually we're going to have to come to terms with the fact that we need to build Hobbit Hole. like. Yeah, the whole country is going to be Cooper Petey. Yeah, pretty much. Did you hear about that guy that hid in his kiln? I did not, but that's actually quite wise. A potter, yeah. That would be the most heat-resistant place, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's quick thinking as well, because it was out the back of his place, and the fire came on quick enough that he didn't have time to get into his house, so he just climbed into his fucking kiln. I mean, that's terrifying. And just sat there for 12 hours. There's no lighting inside a kiln. There's no lighting. You would spend at least the first hour being like, I wonder if it's locked itself and if I'll ever be able to get out. Traditionally, clay doesn't need a whole bunch of creature comforts. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That one's that one's scary. There's a lot of scary things. Didn't even, uh, there's so much we didn't talk about Malakuta and all of that and and uh, give give money to charities, good charities. Don't give to the fucking Salvation Army. Don't give to the uh, don't give to St Vinnie's until we understand. But those sort of big the SES are very good people to contribute to. Mm-hmm. They are also very good people to get contribution information from. Yep, because they are on the ground actually coordinating and helping people and they know what needs to be sent where yep. probably better than anybody else at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and I know that wildlife Victoria specifically is soliciting donations because the devastation on Victorian wildlife has been far worse than anybody. It was, I'll tell you what it was nice expected. of the liberal party to pay for the army to do stuff. That was good. That was generous mm. of them. Mm. Mm. Fucking hell. <laughs> All right. Is that bushfires? That's bushfires. You know, I don't think anybody needs to be told about the fires. No, I mean, that's the thing. You all know what's going on. But um, it's important not to be taken in by Scott Morrison's Mm. adaptation nonsense. I guess that's the kernel of it. And it was personified, or personified, it was perfectly expressed by his shouting down of New South Wales Environment Minister. Oh, yes. Um, Yeah when he basically said, he doesn't know what he's talking about, I don't even know who he is. Mm. Uh, Which he should, because he's a cabinet minister of the most important state in the country. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) 
that just makes you look like a fuckwit who doesn't understand the details of your job very well. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, his it's tissue thin. Everything Morrison says. Yeah, and if if on the very fucking small chance that you're listening to this and you're sitting there in in, in rage, palpating the air. And, and blaming uh, the, greens the greens for banning backburning. For banning backburning, they, they despite your didn't. no legislative power that you've never had. No legislative power, and if you way back machine their bushfires page, you'll see that they have They've shit always going back as far as two thousand and seven and two thousand and nine, saying uh, that they are actually more aggressive about harm reduction burning than than either of the major parties. If you are one of those people, then go fuck yourself. Your idiocy has reached the point where it's actively dangerous. So I would I would encourage you to fucking shut the fuck up. But I know none of those people are likely to be listening to this. Very unlikely. Unless, Unless it's, it's some... to use our material as material in their own right-wing version of yeah. Weakness for Bleakness. Unless it's that one listener in Spain. Strengthness for wreckness. Yeah. Yep. All right. Topic B. Topic B. So right. now you're going to you're going to take us home with some Russian trolling. Yeah, this is a bit more lighthearted than uh than bushfires for sure. Uh, Rolling Stone <clears throat> published this article by Darren Linville and Patrick Warren, who are uh, two experts on social media and propaganda. The poor devils. Now what a life. It's it's a big. Uh, kind of trend that people talk about russian trolls on on social media and there's this new sort of like cold war panic revivalism shit where yeah because everyone in the world is doing this it's only bad when it's russia yeah i mean there's there are so many dimensions to it (laughs) the irony of the u.s criticizing anybody for interfering in politics uh worldwide is is palpable did they just murder a senior government official from another country in a third party country no, I don't think that would have been... doesn't seem like something they'd do. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It's not a coup. It's a people's uprising. Led starring by the, the military. <laughs> <laughs> They're people. Uh, yeah. So anyway... Conscientious public servants. <laughs> As background to this, I'm sure that Russia is trying to influence American politics. It would be naive to think that they're not. And I'm sure that social media stuff... I mean, social media stuff is part of that. Yeah, but absolutely. I want to see, I'm going to read segments from this article, and I want to see if you can unpick the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the agenda. Okay, I wish I'd two. known that this was going to happen before I started drinking, but that's fine. Uh, it's, it's not a difficult game that we're playing. Uh, okay, so it starts, Internet trolls don't troll, not the professionals at least. Professional trolls don't go on social media to antagonize liberals or belittle conservatives. They are not narrow-minded, drunk, or angry. I'm not sure why that's in there. They don't lack basic English skills, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Professional trolls are the tip of the spear in the new digital ideological battleground. To combat the threat they pose, we must first understand them and take them seriously. So we've got a big, serious enemy on Mm. our hands. The authors then go on to talk about this account, I am Tyra Jackson. Uh, who received almost 290,000 likes on Twitter for a single tweet. 
that viral uh, tweet was innocent. An uplifting pair of images of former pro football player Warwick Dunn and a description of his inspiring charity work, Building Houses for Single Mothers. For an anonymous account that had only existed for a few months, Tyra knew her audience well. Warwick's former coach, Tony Dungy, retweeted it, as did the rapper and producer Chuck D. Hundreds of thousands of real users viewed Tyra's tweet and connected with its message. For Tyra, however, inspiring messages like this were a tool for a de- very different purpose. They were bait. So this is... I'm not trying to feed the fish, I'm trying to catch them. Yes. Uh, the tweet about Warwick Dunn was really a Trojan horse to gain followers in a larger plan by a foreign adversary. We think this because we believe I Am Tyra Jackson was an account operated by the successors to Russia's Internet Research Agency, or IRA. That doesn't complicate things. <laughs> Special counsel Robert Mueller... Indi- I think it's <laughs> fair to safe to say the IRA will not be running a sophisticated <laughs> transnational <laughs> campaign on uh, social media. Yeah. Hiding cases of guns, on the other hand. Uh, Special counsel Robert Mueller indicted the IRA for waiting... Retweeting a- Dropkick Murphy's songs. <laughs> They hate the drop. I know they for hate sure. The uh, indicted the IRA for waging a massive information war during the 2016 U.S. election. Uh, since then, the IRA seems to have been subsumed into Russia's federal news agency, but it work, its work continues. In the case of at I am Tyra Jackson, the IRA's goal was twofold: grow an audience in part through heartwarming, inspiring messages, and use that following to spread messages promoting division, distrust, and doubt. So we have the the technique. So again, that's like literally everyone on social media. Yeah, yeah. They're cunningly using social media as it's designed to be used. <laughs> their, their idea is to, to get a bunch of uh, likes and a bunch of followers and then to promote their agenda. And reader, if you're hoping to figure out, uh, to find out what nefarious purposes at I am Tyra Jackson uh, was using Twitter for, there's no answer in the article. They don't, <laughs> they don't say what her... <laughs> <laughs> fell fucking purpose really was. What uh, proof do they have that she wasn't Tyra Jackson? They 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 don't they they drop <laughs> in that we believe <laughs> as a uh, as a shield against that okay exact thing because real people do have their accounts suspended <laughs> all the time from Twitter. All right. Working from data, Twitter has publicly released, we've read Russian tweets until our eyes bled. Looking at a range of behavioural signals, we have begun to develop procedures to identify disinformation campaigns and have worked with Twitter to suspend accounts. (laughs) Poor Tyra Jackson. Uh, We've experienced a range of emotions studying what the IRA has produced, from disgust at their overt racism to amusement at their sometimes self-reflective humour. Mostly, however, we've been impressed. an interesting line to take. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they know what pressure points to push and how best to drive us to distrust our neighbours. The professionals know you catch more flies with honey. They don't go to social media looking for a fight. They go looking for new best friends, and they have found them. So there's a lot of words to say that their idea is to, to, to preach so to people. So what they're describing is not a troll. No. I'll I make mean, that that's, perfectly clear. Yeah, a yeah. troll is exactly who they said a troll wasn't at the yes, start of yeah, this article. Yeah, yeah. A troll is a dickhead. Or sometimes a hero going on to... What they're essentially saying is that during, like, a wartime situation, Mm. the drunk guy at the bar who's, like, loudly ranting about how great the other country you're fighting is probably Mm. isn't a spy. (laughs) No, 
the guy who's been killing Nazis <laughs> for the last 50 years for your government. That's... He's too good at it. Uh, I mean, I don't doubt that this is broadly true, but, but we're getting to the ideological thrust okay. of the article, which is the really interesting bit. Uh... And then they fucking big him up a bit. To, to, <laughs> I like this stupid fucking thing. They say that they, they learn from advertising. To appreciate the influence and potential of Russian disinformation, we need to view them less as Boris and Natasha and more like Don Draper. Cool. Right, okay. What was wrong with Boris and Natasha? Are they characters that I don't know about? Or I don't know. I don't just know. Just like the assumption that Russian people suck somehow. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, <laughs> it's the definition of a dog whistle. <laughs> it's purely to activate the latent fucking. We need to think of these guys as being American. They're not like a bunch of idiots from overseas. Yeah. <laughs> They're not a bunch of fucking semi-animalistic alcoholics. They're human beings with thoughts and feelings. As good marketers, professional trolls manipulate our emotions subtly. Do you want to hear what this subtlety is? Of course you do. In fall 2018, for example, a Russian account we identified called at Polite Melanie recrafted an old <laughs> urban legend tweeting, My cousin is studying sociology in university. Last week, she and her classmates polled over a thousand conservative Christians. What would you do if you discovered your child was a homo sapiens? 55% said they would disown them and force them to leave their home. This tweet, which suggested scandalously, that conservative Christians are not only homophobic, but also ignorant, was subtle enough to not feel overtly hateful. Was it? This is a <laughs> fucking Ali G joke from the late 90s. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, was also aimed directly at multiple cultural stress points, driving a wedge at the point where religiosity and ideology meet. The tweet was also wildly successful. The tweet didn't seek to anger conservative Christians or to provoke Trump supporters. She wasn't even talking to them. Melanie's 20,000 followers, painstakingly built, weren't from MAGA America. Uh, Russia has other accounts targeting them. Rather, Melody's <laughs> audience was made up of educated, urban, left-wing Americans harboring a touch of self-righteousness. So we have our actor and we have their weapon now. Right. The liberal elite of America is the weapon that Russia is using. It's been a notoriously successful weapon in the past. <laughs> if you mean it backfires and kills the person trying to wield it. Yeah. <laughs> the unprecedented social effectiveness of the Clinton campaign. Uh, she wasn't selling her audience a candidate or a position. She was selling an emotion. Melanie was selling disgust. The Russians know that in political warfare, disgust is a more powerful tool than anger. Anger drives people to the polls. Disgust drives countries apart. Uh, I don't know if I read it out, but they do say earlier in the uh, article that one of the emotions that they felt was disgust, looking at these accounts. So that's a... Uh that's a, uh, an interesting thing. This is a terrible example they're giving, though, right? Because mm. there's, like incredible first-hand information from conservative and evangelical Christian organizations yep. in America where they quite happily say that you should disown gay children. Like, yeah. This is a fight that the American Christians have already yes. taken to the highest possible level it can be taken to. You've started to notice the trend. <laughs> You've started to notice the trend with this article. Uh, okay. Effect effective disinformation isn't spread by the account you disagree with. It's embedded in an account you agree with. 
The pros don't push you away, they pull you toward them. <laughs> By telling the truth? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Warwick Dunn's real-life charity work, Tyra, and several... Uh, sorry, by posting about Warwick Dunn's real-life charity work, Tyra and several accounts we associated with her also distributed messages consistent with past Russian disinformation. Importantly, they highlighted ide- issues of race and gender inequality. A tweet about Brock Turner's Stanford rape case received 15,000 likes. Another about police targeting black citizens in Las Vegas was lacked more than 100,000 times. Russia is cunningly pointing out what <laughs> yeah. a terrible country we live in. <laughs> Here is what makes disinformation so difficult to discuss. While these tweets point this to valid issues of concern, they are framed to serve Russia's interests in undermining Americans' trust in our institutions. That's the fault of the American <laughs> institutions. It's got nothing to do with Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've cottoned on. You've cottoned on. You get it. You get it. Fucking hell. <laughs> these accounts also harness the goodwill they've built by engaging in these communities for specific do, political ends. Do they think that every single BBC documentary about like contemporary American life is actually funded by MI6 yeah, yeah. who are still communists from the Cold War. Yeah, what they the seek to... fuck is going on with this? It's crazy how much distrust is being sown in American institutions. I can't figure it out. <laughs> All right. These accounts also harness the goodwill they've built by engaging in these communities for specific political ends. Consistent with past Russian activity, they attacked moderate politicians as a method of bolstering more polarizing candidates. Recently, Vice President Biden has been the most frequent target of this strategy, as seen in dozens of tweets, such as, Joe Biden is damaging Obama's legacy with his racism and stupidity. Yeah, okay. Joe Biden doesn't deserve our votes. Sure. (laughs) Nefarious Russian disinformation. Joe Biden doesn't deserve our votes. Joe Biden might be a fucking idiot with a terrible history in uh, race relation legislation. (laughs) Terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Was Kamala Harris a troll account? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she was a Russian agent. They're all Russian agents. This article doesn't have new information. They're discussing... I mean, what they're discussing is political warfare. They're not discussing trolling at all. No. And their argument is that Mm. Russia's idea of political warfare and propagandising is raising awareness of structural issues in America's social and political system. I can can see why an American person, particularly somebody involved with research for intelligence agencies, might think that reportage is subversive, (laughs) but even this is a little bit too fucking crazy for that. This this paragraph doesn't have new information, but I just like how, how... breathlessly admiring it is and also how stupid their little rhetorical turn of phrase is at the end. The quality of Russia's work has been honed over several years and millions of social media posts. They have appeared on Instagram, Stitcher, Reddit, Google+, Tumblr, Medium, (laughs) Vine. They didn't get anybody on Google+. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The professionals don't go to Google+. (laughs) Yeah. MySpace, Friendster. Medium. Random chat rooms. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cuttlefish.com. Meetup and even Pokemon Go. Demonstrating not only a nihilistic creativity, but also a ruthless efficiency and volume of production. The IRA has been called a troll farm, but they are undoubtedly a factory. 
different buildings no that are difference. both about they yeah. produce huge amounts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't see the point. If anything, factories produce less stuff than farms. <laughs> In a free society, we're getting towards the end. In a free society, we must accept that bad actors will try to take advantage of our openness. They hate us for our freedom. Yeah, they do. But we need to learn to question it's our own... the top list of foreigners' complaints. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. hate how politically liberal we are. <laughs> <laughs> this is wild, because this is their, their, like, recommendation. This is the conclusion. Uh, and you'll recognise this toothless suggestion from other political spheres. In a free society, we must accept that bad actors will try to take advantage of our openness, but we need to learn to question our own and others' biases on social media. We need to teach to individuals of all ages that we shouldn't simply believe or repost anonymous users because they used the same hashtag we did, and neither should we accuse them... Again, we shouldn't believe these posters, but none of them have posted falsehoods. They've all... It uh, sounds like I'm still. What is the <clears throat> proof? Have they got like an IP trace or something? What I, is I the assume... evidence that these people are actually part of a Russian evil plan? I don't know. We have to take. To just... We have to take them at their word, Darcy. Uh, <laughs> oh, like some kind of Russian troll. <laughs> yeah, but again, their their thing is that we shouldn't believe them just because they use the same hashtag. But by this article's account, they're more reliably factual than most American users' Twitter accounts. So, excuse me. you know, probably if they're Russian, they're, they're on the up. Uh, <clears throat> neither should we accuse them of being a Russian bot simply because we disagree with their perspective. Importantly, we need to teach digital civility. Oh, fuck you. It will not only weaken foreign efforts, but it will also help Whoa. us better engage. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> the mask slips! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It will also help us better engage online with our neighbours, especially the ones we disagree with. Uh, then they our neighbours, who <clears throat> I have to stress, are not foreign. <laughs> yeah. Only real neighbours. <laughs> real, good, American, white neighbours. Uh, they talk about how it, uh, it was this tactic was employed to build support on the right for Trump and lower voter, voter turnout on the left for Clinton. I think she managed that on her own, uh, but that it was after the election that they really scaled up. Russia's goals are to further widen existing divisions in the American public and decrease our faith and trust in institutions that help maintain a strong democracy. If we focus only on so the past Mitch or future... So Mitch Russian? Yeah. Patrol. Well, Moscow Mitch, right? <laughs> we will not be prepared... If we focus only on the past or future, we will not be prepared for the present. It's not about election 2016 or 2020. Uh so they moved to a bigger building their work was never just about elections rather the ira encourage us to vilify our neighbor and amplify our differences because if we grow incapable of compromising there can be no meaningful democracy russia has dug in for a long campaign so far we're helping them win that's the article so the point of that article yes was we have discovered yes that Russian people are mm-hmm. harming this country yes. by pointing out structural problems with this country. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem because if you know what the structural flaws in your society are, you can't have a healthy democracy. Yes. And also, there's mm-hmm. nothing we can do about the Russian trolls. <laughs> yeah. Ex- oh, no, we can be civil. But they're being civil. Yeah. 
He means like we can be civil in our political discourse that we can't stop being influenced by Russian trolls what he's saying pointing is, out structural problems that yeah. we should be aware of in our society. We have to domesticate the trolls, I think he's saying. But they're, they're already saying. being. But they've also said like the reason mm. the trolls are successful is because they're being nice, right? Listen, Darcy, I don't know if you're some sort of Russian troll, but I certainly don't. I certainly hope that you're not trying to suggest that this article is illogical, toothless and circular. What we need to do is create an environment <clears throat> in which these people will be less obvious than they currently are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thereby defanging them. See, the important thing isn't Spies that- Spies hate it <clears throat> when you create an environment that's mm. easier for them to blend in with. <laughs> yeah. Institutions, Darcy, social institutions, political institutions, uh, these, these things like the police and, and athletes raping people on campus, that great institution, and, uh, and, and the political apparatus of the United States, listen, they're not perfect, but if they're to work properly, and I think that you'll find that this is a very logical uh, argument, if they're to work properly, they have to have as their foundation, a blind and unthinking trust from the populace. Yeah, no, I mean, I get the... the Without a blind and unthinking trust, how are we supposed to to maintain the illusion of a functional civil society? I understand the 1984 logic that they're <laughs> pushing, which is that, you know, truth is what the party says it is, and the yeah. most important thing is the stability that comes from adhering to that truth. Mm. <laughs> I just don't understand why they bothered to write this article. <laughs> They bothered to write this article because everybody because it's primary season, because everybody's talking about Russian bots, everybody's accusing Bernie Sanders of being Russian bots, accusing uh, Tulsi of being a Russian bot. Uh, so people have also completely lost the sense of what bot means. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, 100%. It's that, uh, do you know that cartoon, I forget what it's called, Nancy something, and it's like... Drew? No, it's not Nancy Drew. It's like quite an old like newspaper funnies style oh, thing, but it's been okay. it's been kept up now and it's quite it's quite good. It's like not shit like a newspaper funny usually is. It's good. And there's one where it's uh where she's talking about Russian bots and it, she's a kid and she's talking to her friend and she's like Oh, all these Russian bots, you can't get away from them. And then her friend says, you can't just accuse everybody that disagrees with you of being a bot. And then the third panel is just a, she's got a thought bubble with a robot with her friend's head on it. It's that. It's the this hysteria over over foreign interference because American people are mentally ill. And I mean that in the in the least charitable way possible. <laughs> I hope excuses people with genuine mental illnesses uh, from feeling attacked by that statement. You're talking it, it, it's a quixotic country. Yes. Yeah. I mentally ill isn't the right uh, the right word. They're philosophically, logically, and discursively unwell. Yeah, that's that's a much more um, less council culture re yeah, repercussions yeah. way of saying it. Yes, go away. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and yeah, it's just it's uh, the grip that the American exceptionalist uh, mindset has had for so long, which still is still very healthy in huge parts of that country but is starting to slip because fucking vicious foreign actors like Bernie Sanders are daring to say, like, other countries do things better than we do sometimes. Uh, because of that, yeah, that, that slip on just fucking land of the free and home of the brave is, is starting to slip. And so it must be the Kremlin. It must be Putin. 
essentially somebody has to be responsible for the fact that we have not arranged our society in a healthy and reasonable way. Yeah. And they especially have to be responsible for the fact that people are becoming aware of this and are increasingly upset about it. Yeah, yeah. And the irony here, of course, is, you know, what really undermines trust in institutions is not just the cops being uh, fucking... Poorly trained racists. Yeah, yeah, militarised, poorly trained racists. Sorry, yes, militarised, poorly Uh, trained racists. Not only that, which obviously contributes uh, solidly, but is people in the press telling them that everything is fine. Like, that makes people fucking lose their minds, and it's what the political establishment and the the media establishment in the US has been doing for ages now. Yeah. But, I mean, this is also... It has been ages. Mm. Uh, Martin Luther King... um, Yep, MLK was, Day was recently. It was very recently. So he was a fucking Russian actor, and his yep. entire campaign for... Well, not his entire campaign, the entire civil rights campaign mm. was Russian malfeasance. Yeah. Though it was never articulated as to what actual end the Kremlin was hoping to achieve with yeah. enfranchising black people. Well, I think that we can extrapolate from the fact that he... He really drew anger and got assassinated when he started talking aggressively about anti-war and socialist shit. So, obviously, he was a secret communist. Same with Fred Hampton. Obviously, a fucking foreign actor. Yeah. Despite the fact that he was killed when he was, like, fucking 24 years old. Okay. Um, Boy, they get them young. British Prime Minister Ted Heath, who believed the unions Mm. were not his party's enemies. Yep, Russian. And never had been. (laughs) Russian. (laughs) Clear communist. (laughs) Yep. It's really baffling. I just got a good fucking chuckle out of that article. I saw somebody it repost really it uncritically on Twitter, which is always the best way to come across something like that. Not when somebody else points out that it's stupid, but when somebody's like, check out this article and you read it and you're like, this is bald enough. <laughs> <clears throat> that person was an American. Indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Sir, you're sullying my news. <laughs> I like my news pure and uncut, straight from the mouth of Washington, D.C. I need news without views. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so whenever anybody talks online about Russian bots, don't fucking take them seriously, for the love of God. It's fucking me up as well, because the other day I caught myself thinking, like, maybe Putin's good, actually. Just because of the fucking volume of shit. By association. That, <clears throat> yeah, like, yeah. Well, all of these clearly evil people are desperate for him to fail, so. Yeah, maybe yeah. So something. maybe he's good, actually. And it took me a few <laughs> minutes to be like, no, just because the Americans are bad doesn't make Putin good by default. Doesn't. But it, it, it locked he me is, into a thing there. He is also a garbage human. Yeah. But yeah. Um, there is the best way to protect yourself from propaganda mm. is to develop a systemic understanding of the world around you and how it works and use that as a reference point for information that you're given. Yep. The difference between a conspiracy theorist and uh, somebody who isn't is that conspiracy theorists do not have a consistent and systemic understanding of the world around them. Yep. Whereas All you need to cultivate within yourself Mm. is a uh, reliable theory of functionality. Yeah. And then you'll be able to say with some confidence that Epstein didn't kill himself. Or that he did kill himself. But either way, it will flow from a rational perspective that doesn't require 
magical goblins. I don't want you trying to launder your Epstein did kill himself opinions. <laughs> uh, I've made yeah. it clear I'm very open to the idea mm. that he understood that part of his deal was that he wasn't yes. to give up any information on his customers. That's a that's a possibility. <laughs> and uh, his patrons. Of course, I like I'm willing to believe that, but that actually gets further and further from my mind as a possibility with every new revelation because <laughs> the latest thing was that more security footage yeah, went, I know. went missing. It's extremely it's just, unreliable. It's they, they're like, um, it's like Skyrim stealth level ridiculousness. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> some guy just did a crouch walk past the guards. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fucking, no, the guards were, Epstein was slowly getting out of bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you doing here I... at this time of day? You I can't be in my, oh. I wonder what happened. I don't know. We'll never know, because there's no footage. Yep, there was never any footage from two separate parts of the prison at two different times, weeks apart. It is completely normal for American prisons to have um, cameras that don't work. So, remember, this is not like... It wouldn't take... A massive deviation from their incredibly well-funded sector. It wouldn't (laughs) take five months for that revelation to come to light. I feel. I mean, it might if everyone realised they'd screwed up an incredibly high profile and difficult to screw up situation. <laughs> Too many coincidences, Darcy. He was murdered by Hillary Clinton permanent uh, personally. She wrapped the throat. She unhinged his... her lower jaw yeah. and somehow consumed him whilst also leaving a body there. Broke his hyoid boy. The body was put together her. by Jewish plastic uh-huh. surgeons from various human offcuts from their organ harvesting um, racket. Now we're getting silly. Now we're getting somewhere, I think is what you were going to say. <laughs> Before I said what I said. Yeah. Uh, I don't do you know. Do you think we should apologize to the listeners and wrap this up? Yeah. Sorry, listeners. And thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to become a patron, don't worry. We're not going to ask you to become a patron. Mm, yeah. However, you can get in touch with us at weaknessforbleakness at gmail.com. Yes. Yes, indeed you can. You can follow the at week for bleak account on Twitter. Again, it just posts updates. It's not an active account. There's nobody there. Uh, it is a Russian troll. It is a Russian troll. Uh, we've got... What's happening? I've just finished up uh, pretty much the new Leonardo's Robot album. Fantastic. So when it's mastered, that'll probably be out on the 11th of March. That's what I'm aiming for. But the new single will be out in like a a few days, probably. If you would like to pre-order the album, you'll get a bonus track of Throw a Coin to Your Witcher. That's not true. (laughs) That's 100% false. That's Russian bot. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't tell the truth. So he's an American institution. Uh, All right. Thank you, listener. Keep it weak. Keep it bleak. See you, bye.